welcome to the Prescription Podcast. On this show, we present to you up-to-date facts on medical-related topics. We are your hosts. I'm Ian, a surgeon. I'm Zichin, a gastroenterologist. We're both practicing in Kuala Lumpur. We are on Apple and Spotify Podcasts. Please follow us for updates on new episodes. We're still in Season 2 and today we are on Episode number 10. And continuing off from the last episode, we will still be talking about aesthetic medicine but on a separate treatment module today on lasers. So today, again, we have Dr. Sarahana, an LCP certified aesthetic doctor with 10 years of experience in aesthetic medicine, uh, who's currently the medical director at Dr. D Clinic and Eye Body by Dr. D in Ativo Plaza, Bandasri Damansara, which she runs together with her husband, Dr. Dinesh Ganesan. Welcome, Sarah. Welcome, Welcome Hi, Ian. Hi, Zikin. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being with us. So I think we had a very, very good discussion the last time, Aesthetic Medicine. I think as much as every single podcast that we have, as much as the listeners are learning, we are probably learning something as well. <laughs> and I think as, as discussed earlier, we want to talk about a different treatment module that you're probably quite familiar with, which are lasers. Maybe you yeah. can tell us a little bit about this treatment. Uh, I personally get a lot of this question every time someone comes and asks me, uh, are you doing operation? Yes. Uh, are you doing laser? Like what? <laughs> so maybe, maybe you know, in, in your line, you, you see more of that. I, I don't really see lasers at all. Yeah, you can tell us what, what it's you know used for and that kind of stuff. Okay, so lasers have come a long way. Lasers are basically heat and light that are used to stimulate growth of fibroblasts and to stimulate new collagen. And there are lots of different types of lasers depending on what we're trying to treat. So broadly, I would just classify it as ablative laser and non-ablative laser. Ablative would mean that the surface of the skin is going to be a little bit affected. So that means you're going to have a little bit more downtime, meaning that you need some time for recovery, but also the effects are a lot more apparent. Whereas non-ablative mm. laser, would, you won't need much downtime, but you will need to do many sessions to achieve the result. I see. So what are the common indications for ablative lasers and non-ablative lasers? In my practice, the most common reasons for laser would be, one, it would be pigmentation. Depending on the type of pigmentation, then we have different types of lasers and settings. The other indication would be for scars. The main ones we have are acne scars, which are probably old acne scars that result in a lot of tissue scarring. So basically, we want to resurface the skin and make mm. it smoother. Mm, okay. Make the scar go away, basically. Yeah. So it could be like old scars, like acne scars, or it could be traumatic scars or uh, an injury. Mm. Right. There's also other types of lasers like hair removal lasers, which is mm. a totally oh. different type of laser. So there are many types actually. So just depending on what level we're trying to treat and what we're trying to treat, like is it pigmentation or is it scar, is it hair, is it a mole? So mm. depending on what we're treating, there'll be different types of lasers. Oh, so you mean to say you do lasers for all types as well, right? Hair, scars, mm-hmm. moles. Yep. Oh, okay, wow. Are they painful? <laughs> Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, depending on which laser like some lasers are Uh. totally not painful like non-ablative lasers are usually quite painless so uh, you wouldn't require any numb cream you can just come in as a lunchtime procedure get it done and then get back to work no issue but some lasers like ablative lasers you would need to numb cream and a lot of pain like it helps to bring down the pain level 
But I think it's come a long way and uh, lasers are now a lot more less painful. Mm. I see. You were talking about downtime mm-hmm. uh, for ablative uh, laser especially. Mm-hmm. Um, how long is the downtime usually? Uh, depending on how aggressive we go on the laser. Mm. Like you can do ablative lasers just on the surface and that's probably mm. about two to three days of downtime. Mm. Or we could go really much deeper with acne scars or traumatic scars and maybe could go up to maybe even a week to 10 days of downtime. I see. Okay. So when a person requires a laser treatment, Mm -hmm. what are the pre-treatment preparatory measures? Do they need to come prepared or do the skin need to be prepared before they go for the laser treatment or anything? Or they could, like you mentioned about lunchtime procedure, Mm -hmm. right? So it sounds like I just go and get it done and come out. It's just as simple as that. Is there any preparation that we need to do to our mm-hmm. skin? Go through the consultation again because like mm-hmm. supposing you have any pre-existing conditions like melasma or uh, if your skin is very sensitive, then even the non-ablative laser might be something that's not suitable for you. Or if mm-hmm. you're under any treatment like uh, some like supposing acne patients who are under acutin, then they wouldn't want to go under ablative laser. Uh, uh, or if you I say see. you so have... So again, uh, back to... Yeah, back to consultation back to again. De- back to detailed <laughs> history taking. Yeah. Wow. Or say yeah, if you've just so, come back from a holiday, a sunburn, then uh, hmm. lasers would be not on the top of the list either. Mm, okay. Interesting. So I was wondering actually, I mean, for some of the scars, I mean traumatic scars as well because sometimes uh, I do see some of these patients and they do ask do you jump straight into lasers or do you have other modalities of treatment before you get into laser? If it's a raised scar or what we call as a hypertrophic scar uh, there are other modalities that I think most doctors uh, perform like uh, injectables to reduce the the hypertrophic scar and then go into lasers just to make it less obvious. Right. Uh, But Mm. other than that, most of the time, I think lasers would be the modality of treatment for scars. Oh, okay. But there are other ways as well, like uh, microneedling or uh, anything to resurface the scar without heat in certain patients, like say it was very like what we call type 4 or 5 skin type, meaning that the skin mm-hmm. is a little bit darker and not right. suitable for laser, then there are other options that simulate laser but without the heat. Oh, oh I see. Wow. I never knew that. So I learned something again. <laughs> I think I think the whole, the whole podcast, I'm just learning something. Multiple things actually. But I mean, it's, it's interesting how we in the... We are all doctors, we are in the same field, but yet we do not know everything, right? So I think that's what, you know, again, go back to our aim and initial aim that we just want to educate the public so that at least they could make the right decision and right choices when they're choosing uh, some treatments or certain treatments for them, right? Is there any side effects other than pain, downtime for laser treatment? Uh, The one that we're most afraid of would be post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. It's in certain skin types when the darker skin types or more sensitive skin types or predisposed factors like melasma, mm. too much of laser or too much of high-powered laser could result in pigmentation again, which is like a, a uh. counterproductive treatment. <laughs> Mm. Uh, yeah, so this kind of patient, you will counsel against laser and offer another modality of treatment, Correct. right? Or maybe a softer laser, but more treatments. Mm. 
Mm, more number of treatments. So again, then the number of sessions that one requires, I mean, I understand definitely this does not work in just one single session, right? It's always a few sessions uh, gradually achieving the end goal, right? So it varies uh, between skin types, it varies between individuals, it varies between the lesion or the spots that we will want to target. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, I think it it's definitely depends very much on the patient. I think we can't really put a, I guess, how many times. But I think what we probably can get from this is a lot of times it's not just a one-time session. Uh, but you mentioned about not giving too much. So is there a, kind of like a maximum dosage that you guys are aware of? Like say if I give X amount of times, you're nearing your limit and we should not go. I mean, what, what is the kind of guide? Do you have a, you know, like medication has max dosage, right? Is that okay. the same for laser as well? I think it's just the power output of the laser at every single session. And right. when you start to get the side effects, then we have to sort of change our modality of treatment. So, Sarah, is there anything that you would want to add on that, you know, we may have missed out on laser, you mm. know, that anything that you would want to add on from what we have not I think, touched um, upon? Maybe just the misconception that laser can mm. sort of be a one-off treatment and then you're sorted. Mm. But I think people need to realise like things like pigmentation, there are a lot of other factors that cause pigmentation. So like sun damage or mm. like I was talking about the UV uh, effect as well as hormonal mm. effects that uh, are ongoing. So even if mm. we were to do lasers, we have to also make sure that we address these other factors. So I think the one mm. single thing that you could do or a patient could do for themselves is to use sunblock I and see. also to... Uh, use the proper skincare and get advice on skincare so that we're not using the wrong skincare that could re make this uh, pigmentation come out again. Mm, I see. So there are some special care advices that you would give out after the laser treatment, yes. right? It's not just after laser, you can just straight walk out under the sun, right? Sure. So I think you mentioned sunblock is very, very important here. Mm. So okay. basically, a big, mm. these people who get skin pigmentation are usually also older patients or, you know, there are just certain skin types that are more prone to pigmentation in, in your practice. What, what do you see actually? Well, it depends on the type of pigmentation. So I guess things like right. freckles or superficial pigmentation could affect any age group. Something like melasma would be something in an older age group or someone after delivery or during pregnancy uh, due right. to hormonal changes. Uh, this I'm not so sure, there's, but there's, is melasma affected by UV as well? Yes, it's yeah, it's made worse with uh, UV. So any right. sort so, of pigmentation would, I mean, in this climate, I think the one thing that we can do is to use uh, sun protection on a daily uh, cover basis. Up as much as possible. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Hence, you see all the people with uh, long sleeves when they're driving the car. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Since we're on sun protection, mm-hmm. uh, mm, what are the SPF? You know, we see a lot of uh, different kind of SPFs on sun protection. What's your take on it? Does that mean that an SPF 50 is better than an SPF 35 or 15 or something like that? Mm, okay, so SPF is just the sun protection factor and the numbers just mm. mean how long you can uh, be protected from the UV rays. So if say you were ah. to use an SPF 15, then you'd have to reapply more often. And if you were 
to go for a strong but like say after SPF 50 say between a 50 and something much higher then there's not much of a difference anymore so um, mm, I think there's a, like a cut off point so just go up oh. I think SPF 30 to 50 would be good for our climate I see but anything I higher see. would also mean that the consistency is a little bit more oilier and it's not so uh. suitable for our climate and our skin types here uh. I see okay I yeah I do always have some patient uh, on certain medication that I told them that they have to do some protection mm. they always said that it's very oily it's very difficult it's so humid <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're very thick too and it's very cumbersome to apply you know so and another thing is they also uh, say that oh I don't go under the sun I'm just indoor you know so that means I do not need to apply sunblock is that correct is that a myth or a fact uh, yeah I think people don't realise that in our country there's sun everywhere and even indoors <laughs> uh, our natural lighting it also emits UV uh, rays uh, although yeah. it's very little but accumulatively from in with the screens as well I think there's a lot of uh, ongoing studies now on the blue screen on the blue light coming from screens and yeah. I think mm. in today's time we are always on the phone or laptop or uh, social media things like that so this light also has effect of on our pigmentation uh-huh. ah, I so see. I think wow. as a rule of thumb it's just best to use sunblock every Day. Just, other, other time other than you have sleeping, I suppose. In a way, yeah, not so much of a screen time. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think that's a lot of misunderstanding uh, from co- comparatively to olden days and now, you know, we, we tend to just think, yeah, I don't go under the sun, so I don't have to put sunblock. So I think we have to change our mindset now that you know wow. anytime during the day as long as you go out you have to put on your sunblock oh that's right? that's very difficult uh, I mean I'm, <laughs> I'm thought of you know previously when we talk about dry skin and p- having to hydrate drinking enough water putting on moisturizer mm. now I have to put sunblock man that's really a lot of things to put on <laughs> <laughs> so um, the other thing I'm I, I'm sure a lot of people love to ask and I, I know for a fact when I was a medical student I had friends who talk about whether it's scarring or skin pigmentation the favourite thing that everyone likes to talk about is are there any foods to avoid? Do you get that kind of question? Yep. And uh, I think it's a bit uh, I don't know there's no scientific backing yeah. to it but yep. and I used to I used to tell my patients there's no truth to it so just go ahead uh, uh-huh. like you know, chocolates or fried yeah. food or whatever but yeah. as I go into this more and more I feel that that certain people have a preponderance to say dairy causing acne or Oh, uh, yeah. I definitely. think that is that a truth to it, although it's not scientifically proven. Uh, yeah. Practically, it does happen. And overall, I feel that because uh, our health shows on our skin, so right. if say you're taking a lot of fried food and things like that, it just directly doesn't cause acne, but it's just that when your health is not in optimum condition, it will show on your skin. Wow. That's something like you are what you yeah, eat. Something like something that. that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. So I mean, yeah, that's 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 a really good one. I mean the one thing that my friends used to say, uh, the girls are uh, sorry say that, uh when they have scar or when they have this pigmentation, everyone keeps saying, make 
sure you don't eat so much soy sauce so it doesn't get darker. I'm like, what? Yeah, anyway. Uh, those are the myths. Yeah, that's the myth. That's why I asked. That's why I asked. Yeah, I've, I've not. I also usually don't, you know, have any kind of so-called diet for patients, but I always tell them to eat in moderation healthily. So I guess what you say is, is true. It's really important because in your case, if you've seen probably a lot of the skin problems probably does have some connection with what they eat. Yeah. So it that's a good note to, to take point. Uh, diet and stress. I find that uh, mm. with all these two effects are the ones that show most on skin. Right. And it's not yeah. possible to alleviate stress. So we can only control it <laughs> and do our best in terms of uh, food-wise. Yeah. I think everything in moderation is what we, we have been um, telling all our listeners uh, in all our podcasts, mm. you know. Elevate stress, like you say, it's not easy, but I think try, you know, that certainly will help in improving your general health as well, right? I think uh, we have talked quite a bit today as well on laser and we extended a little bit to a uh, little bit knowledge on some blogs. And uh, again, then we... We, we start round up with, uh, again, you know, diet, eating in moderations, uh, managing stress, right? So any questions, Ian, to Sarah? No, I think uh, we've covered uh, quite a fair bit. Again, another interesting topic. I just want to just, you know, add in on the side. Every time someone asks me about laser, I think about Star Wars. But yeah, it's definitely not that. <laughs> yeah, true. That's how it all started. And uh, that's yeah. why people are so worried about laser because it always thinks it's like fire and heat and it's going to burn Correct. you. Uh, yeah. But I think lasers have come a very long way and some lasers yep. are totally, uh, like you said, you do a lunchtime procedure and you're done. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the important thing, you know, people need to understand. Science has come a long way in terms of treatment. But I think, you know, if anybody wants to get treatment, have a proper discussion with your aesthetic doctor to understand even further I think we've covered probably you know as much as we could but I'm sure there will probably be other questions that uh, others may have yeah once again we would like to thank Dr. Sarah for being here today with us if you have any question please do email us at prescriptionpod p-r-e-s-c-r-i-p-t-i-o-n-p-o-d at gmail.com with that thank you for listening in see you in the next episode bye bye thank you Sarah thank you bye Thank you.